You are listening to Uncomfortable, comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Hi there, welcome to Uncomfortable, the podcast, the place where we have comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Debbie Roach, and in this episode, I chat with Dr. Courtney Parry, a licensed holistic nutritionist and relationship coach. After six years in private practice as a naturopathic doctor specialising in mental health and trauma work, Courtney witnessed the incredible power our core beliefs have over our health, happiness and dreams, and that in shifting our beliefs, we can shift our world. She began incorporating relationship coaching into the work with her patients after noticing that the crux of many people's struggles was the relationship they had with themselves, an intimate partner, or their family of origin. Courtney empowers motivated individuals to own their worth and desires and deeply connect with themselves and others through living vulnerably and authentically. I really hope that you enjoy this incredibly empowering conversation, but you know, it's uncomfortable, so there may be some adult language. So make sure to pop your headphones on. Courtney, thank you so much for coming on Uncomfortable, the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, no, no, I am too. I am. I know people that have kind of gone through this topic that that we're going to talk about. And, you know, I've I've never been married, but I've been in a long-term relationship that I came out of. So I know it can be really difficult to make that move. So I love that you're you're coming on and kind of helping to talk about this because I'm... I'm sure there's many people out there in that situation. So um, before we kind of get into that, tell us a little bit about you and the work that you do. Okay, sure. Yeah, so professionally, I'm a naturopathic doctor and holistic anxiety and relationship coach. So the work that I really do is with individuals and couples, helping them to create healthy, deeply connected, authentic relationships. So with them, with each other, but really more importantly, um, with themselves. So that's kind of the nature of, of the work that I do. Yeah, I love it. So I guess like with everything that you kind of do, it's almost like you're treating the whole person, which mm-hmm. I love, right? I mean, I've been to naturopaths in the past and always had uh, really great experiences because it hasn't just been about, here's what you should eat. You know, you're yes. a recommended diet for you. It was never like that. So I really valued that because I I think, you know, yeah, diet's a huge part of taking care of yourself, but there's so much more. Yes. So what I had noticed with with the work that I do, what really led me to doing what I do now is I was putting out kind of small fires with people. I felt like they would come in for headaches or a physical ailment and we would see some, some shifts in those ailments, but I found that the deeper work was really 
the beliefs that they had about themselves or um, how they were talking to themselves or how they were communicating with other people. And so when we really started to get to the core level of you know, the deep healing work, I noticed that the physical ailments just started to heal with that as well. So it's a beautiful blend, I find, of doing the inner work and seeing it manifest outside as well. Yeah, you know, you really kind of um, brought up something there that I guess I hadn't really ever considered, even though I know it's a big piece in its communication, communication mm-hmm. with other people. And, you know, the fact that that's also being treated, uh, that's quite rare, I think. Yeah, you know, it really is. Um, so kind of let's, I guess, I mean, that moves on to what we're really talking about is like, mm-hmm. when no you know, when you want to separate or divorce from someone that you love and communication is a huge part of that. So if we could backtrack and if you don't mind sharing a little bit of your story, because I know you sure. do this. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, either that moment or moments where you knew something had to change and you maybe had to leave and, and how you felt about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. So I think um, really that question is great because when we get down to like that moment or moment um, of knowing that it's time to leave or knowing something isn't quite right. I think that the way that at least for me personally, and I know that I've had clients who have said this same thing, we think like there's this one defining moment, right? Of like, whether it's positive or negative, like, Oh, this one moment happened and my whole life changed or this one thing happened and I knew it was time for me to leave. And that's, that's very rare for that to actually happen. And I think that that is something that causes a lot of people to stay in relationships longer than maybe they would or kind of dismiss things that are really positive that are happening because it's like, well, was that the one moment? Like, was that that one life-changing thing? So just to, there were moments and I'll definitely talk about those, but I think that that's worth it. That's worth mentioning because that's something that I hear a lot of, well, it's not like they justify, it's not that bad, right? He or she isn't doing something that's that awful. And um, so I think small moments mean, can be just as, as meaningful um, to people, if that makes sense. But for me, um, so I sort of knew before I even got married that it wasn't a good fit and that it wasn't the right fit. And I'm learning as I work with more and more people that that's very common for a lot of people that there's just something intuitively maybe, or even, you know, that they just know something isn't quite right, but for many reasons um, can silence that and move forward with it, which isn't right or wrong. But for me, that's what had happened is something just didn't quite feel right from the beginning. And what I started to see is that, or realize is that there's a difference between knowing um, that it wasn't right or knowing that I needed to end the relationship and being ready to to end the relationship. Mm. And so for me, the knowing piece um, happened very early on. I knew it kind of before I got married, right after I got married. And then I was only married for about two and a half years. It was a very short, um, very short length of marriage. Um, But for that entire two and a half years, it was why did I do that? I, I, I'm not happy. This isn't really what I'm wanting. But I would, you know, silence that and say, well, maybe it's cold feet. Maybe this is part of the process and, and that sort of stuff. But the defining moment, I think, for me. So the reason that I say that is just to get it. It wasn't just one day I woke up and I was like, oh, it's time to leave. Like, I had been thinking about this. And um, I first gave myself permission that it's okay that I don't want this relationship. I don't have to do anything about that right now. I don't have to tell him today. I don't have to move out but I can just sit with it, try it on for size sort of thing. Like, I'm just going to tell myself this isn't working. I'm going to leave and see. So I started to work through some of the emotions that came up with that before I even forced myself to kind of do anything. So that was helpful um, for me to get to those defining moments. But I think there were a couple of defining moments all around the same time frame. 
So I ended up moving out um, in October of, of 2018, but um, in our anniversary was in September and we took an anniversary trip in August. So these defining moments were all very close together, but we were planning a trip to Hawaii, which like Hawaii is amazing. And I felt as though I should be really excited about this. I should really want to go. This is an awesome thing to be doing. And I just found like myself dragging my feet about making plans or committing to going because there was this part of me that number one felt like it was going to be a disappointing trip. Like I'm building it up in my mind, like we're going to connect and it's going to be wonderful. Um, but it's, it's like a different place. Isn't really going to change that. The fact that we weren't, we weren't connecting um, on a daily basis. So that was something that I just noticed, like this is kind of odd that I'm, you know, not wanting to go away on a vacation. And then we went away um, to Hawaii and I just noticed when I was there just feeling like I thought kind of disappointed and just, kind of thinking like, oh, this would be really wonderful if I were with someone who X, Y, Z, or um, when I come back here some other, some other time with a new person or by myself or with a friend, like it's going to be so great because we're going to do this and we're going to do that. So there was a lot of comparison that was going on. Mm -hmm. And I was realizing that was robbing me of the opportunity of being present and really enjoying. And it really wasn't fair to him either in that moment. I just wasn't really being present and something that's really important to me as I said that's the work that I do is authenticity and being honest and showing up fully yeah. and I felt like I couldn't do that because I was torn like a part of me knew like this is done this is over um and then another part of me like still cared for him and was having fun and was enjoying that I was in you know a beautiful place and it felt fake it was like oh no but if I act like I'm having a good time, maybe he'll think everything's okay. But if I act like I'm not having a good time, maybe, like, so it just got really confusing and it was yeah. draining. So that was really a turning point for me. And then we celebrated our anniversary a couple of weeks after we got back. And it, he had gotten me this gift, um, which was like close to kind of something I like, but not quite right. So it already like kind of irked me a bit, but something that he had said was, oh, um, next year is, I forgot even what it was. The, like, you know how they have, each year is like a different kind of year, like yeah. gold or silver. So he yeah. mentioned what it was. And he's like, so I have a year to think about what to get for that. And I, it just, I had two very like strong emotions that came up. One was like, there's not going to be a next year. Like, no, 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 absolutely yeah. not. There's not going to be next year. I cannot have this. Like it was something strong within me. And then there was also, again, that feeling of dishonesty a little bit like oh that's that's sad for him like thinking that because here I am thinking I don't want there to be another another year and then on top of that was what if there is another year like I don't what if I do stay here a whole another year putting up with this because it all kind of came to like this is one day and we're celebrating and we're getting along because it's our anniversary but that's not the kind of relationship I want like I want it to be a deeply connected loving relationship year round not just for show on an anniversary, get me a gift, we go out to dinner, and then we close that chapter for another 364 days. So yeah. I left, ended up leaving a month after that. So I think those were the two really defining factors. It just like, they were so strong within me of, this isn't what I want, this isn't right, and I will not be happy if I'm here for another period of time. It's like, we have to go through another year of this. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like that moment was the, the straw that broke yes camel's back yes, right absolutely there, yes. there's there's more moments throughout but then there's that one that just yes. really sits with you and it's like no you need to yes to take yes. action and do something yes. now and when that moment came to have that conversation you know you don't have to delve into details because I know it's personal mm -hmm. but just like how hard 
was that for you or was it a relief like how did you feel when you kind of talked to him about it yeah it was very um interesting because there was a part of me that was just so proud of myself for taking action on that it was really one of the biggest acts of self-care i think that i had ever done to really give myself permission to be happy and to say you know this this isn't working out for me and i it's okay for me to want something different and, and really separating I got to that point before I told him I had done a lot of personal work and like I had said, sat with the fact of this isn't working for me, which I think was really helpful for me because what I started to see was it actually wasn't really even about him. Like in some ways it is because it's a relationship, but it, in the past relationships when I had broken up, it's like, well, he did this or his mm -hmm. fault was this. And there was a lot of blame going on where I wanted to feel kind of vindicated and like justified in doing what I was doing. And in this situation, it really was, I don't really have like, I mean, yeah, there's things I was upset about, but it wasn't like this ill will toward him. It was more of me pursuing happiness and contentness within myself. And so that made it a little bit easier for me of, it wasn't him. Like it really, I was doing this for, for me. It still was scary. I was really panicky. I would, you know, um, up until that day. And I ended up asking him just to, if we could talk and like, I mean, things were, we, it wasn't like it was blindsiding for him. I don't think, um, like things were on the, um, Rocky. Um, but I will say that is the one thing that um, I've learned that in the future, if this has to happen or it, I, that I could have done something different. I feel as though I wanted to let him down easy, sort of, um, in a way, which of course I didn't want to hurt his feelings too much. Um, but I also was a little bit confused too. Like I knew that I wasn't happy with it, but it, like saying I wanted a divorce was just so like final in that moment. So I think that even though inside I was like, yes, this is done. I took a lot of the responsibility on that of, I want to move out because, um, I need to figure out my life. And I, and which was definitely true. Everything I said was mm -hmm. true. Um, I'm just not happy here. I have to figure out what makes me happy. Um, but I think I ended up taking all of the, the kind of quote blame on that. Um, rather than just saying this isn't working out for me because X, Y, Z, like not putting blame on him, but really just being clear on, we're not, you know, our communication isn't there. I feel like our directions are in different spaces. We really don't connect on the same things anymore. Um, it was just more so of there's nothing you've done wrong. I just need to leave for me. Um, and like, I'll hold all of that pain. And so, but that's how I ended up saying it. And um, just kind of moving out. I had already gotten a place to move. So then my dad was coming down to help me move in a couple of days. So it was very like, this is what I'm doing and I'm moving out. I left on the premise that we were going to just take some time and maybe figure things out. Yeah. Um, but it led to, to the end. Yeah. I, something similar, similar experience when I had broken up with my partner, I, I couldn't really see or express mm -hmm. why I just knew I wasn't happy. And it wasn't until a year later when he called me, we had both I don't even know why the phone call happened, but it was around about Christmas. So I don't know if it was just the time of year. It was like we'd broken up for, um, I think, a year. And he just kind of called out the blue. And I think he'd had a few drinks with friends and I'd been out with friends. And mm -hmm. he just said, you know, I just, I just really want to know why. Like, I just want to hear why. And I was like, I just didn't love you anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm so sorry. And he was like, you know what? Thank you for finally saying it. Yes. And yes. that was, it was upsetting, but it was a relief because I felt like I had just finally been honest about something yes. I should have been honest about. Yes, I relate to that. Before, yes. right? Yes. 
Yeah, I definitely relate to that. But, and I think that it, it's scary to say that because it's like loving and that's how I felt. I just did not love him, but it's not like I hated him. Right. Or mm -hmm. that I didn't, it was just this matter of it wasn't there. So it was hard to say that and feel like that was going to be, you know, heart crushing. And then for me, when I left, um, I just never really heard from him again. Like he didn't reach out. He didn't want more information. He didn't try to make it work. So that was very affirming to me of, okay, yes, like I made the right decision. And so to kind of go back to like that freedom piece, as soon as I said it and I left, I mean, I was actually shocked at how good I felt. Like there were moments, of course, after of, of pain and sadness, yeah. but I felt so just free. It was the weirdest, mm -hmm. like, it's hard to describe, but I was like, why am I not crying? Like, what is happening? And I really just felt like I was working through all of that while I was married. Like I was in such pain and I wasn't trusting myself. I was putting myself last, like while we were together that it finally just did feel really good to trust myself for once and to say, you know, you're, you're worth it. It's okay. I, it's okay. You know, even if he is sad, you still deserve to be happy. And so I did feel incredibly free and, and proud um, after I had done that. Yeah. I mean, it's really empowering when you, mm -hmm. when you do something like that, it's, it's mm -hmm. hard yeah, as you say, but you're making a decision for you and we don't often do that. Right. Especially when we're in relations and relationships and I don't have kids and I imagine mothers, you know, who do mm -hmm. have kids don't often, you know, make a decision for themselves because they're looking after other people. Yes. Yeah. So yes. It's, it's a huge step. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't have children either myself, but that, that is a hurdle um, that, that comes up quite often in clients that I speak with. Right. And, and there is something to that, right. You are making decisions for other people also, but something that I remind them and really work with people all the time is like your happiness is their happiness. Also, like if you're in an unhappy relationship, they feel that energy. They know that like, yeah. even though temporarily it might seem like it would be sad or there would be a disruption there. Like, you know, you showing up fully and any parent honoring their truth and showing up in that way is a wonderful example for their children so yeah. that's something that I that I try to to teach people but I also know like emotions get in the way and it is a hard thing to do yeah definitely now I'm curious to know um because I do hear this often especially when I have you know a conversation with someone who wants to leave their partner but they make excuses yes not to even though they've admitted they want to leave but they make an excuse to stay yeah. and I was you know I did that so yes. I'm guilty as charged for doing that mm -hmm. too like for yourself, did you try mm -hmm. and convince yourself to stay? And like, what was it you would tell yourself? Yeah. Yes. So I definitely did that. Um, and I think that I did that very early on, like I said, from before I even got married. So right after we got engaged, I actually started having panic attacks, like thinking about being married. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, cold feet. And that's Nerves. part of the process. It's just because, you know, this is a big life decision and I would feel that way anyway. Um, and so I tried to, to blame it on that. And then um, it, when we did get married, it was then, oh, well, we just got married. Like, that would be so embarrassing that, you know, people just came out to see us. People gave us gifts. That would be really awful. You know, would I have to give the gifts back? And I mean, some of this stuff sounds kind of silly, but this is what was going through yeah. my mind. I was like, okay, oh, they, everyone says the first year of marriage is the hardest. So we'll just, I'll just give it one more year. That will be fine. It will probably one more year. And well, maybe it's me. Maybe if I show up differently, maybe if I try harder, maybe if I do something different, he'll change maybe, you know, and it, so it started to put all of this pressure on myself and then, but it was one thing after another. And I would kind of give myself timelines of, okay, if by June, you know, this isn't better, then I'll make a move. And then June would come and it's like, oh, well, we did have that good one day. So, 
maybe by August, you know, then I'll, then I'll push it because it was just pushing it off, dreading that, that conversation that we talked about, right? Dreading having to make that move. It wasn't so much, and that's what started to become clearer to me too. It wasn't so much that I was fighting for the relationship. Like I was coming up with these because I really loved him and I was passionate about the relationship and I wanted it to work. I was coming up with these excuses just out of avoidance of having to do the hard stuff. Right. And so that's the difference I think too. It was, that was what became clearer to me is um, that, yeah, I'm, I'm making all of these excuses just to put off the, the inevitable that I know is coming and trying to dissuade myself. But what that was doing was, telling me again and again, like from a belief standpoint, I'm not worth it. I can't trust myself. You know, what I want is less important than what he wants. And that was a pattern that was happening throughout my life. Um, he seems happy. So what's wrong with me? Um, and then I went into no relationships. Perfect. Right. Maybe I'm being too needy or I have too many expectations. You know, what's wrong with me? Maybe that's the work that I have to do. So there was, um, there was a lot of that. And maybe if I made more money, you know, then, then it would be okay because he's primarily making more money right now. So I kind of went every avenue that you possibly um, could go in there. And really it came down to just like pushing this timeline out after this month and after the next month. And then it finally just got to that point of, I don't want to push it out anymore. Fair enough. You're just exhausted. <laughs> yes. Trying yes. to do that. I mean, that's, Absolutely. that's fair. And I know um, security is an excuse that many mm -hmm. people, um, you know, use. And you had mentioned about maybe I should just make more money because if I make more money, you know, I'll feel more secure or whatever yes. the reason is. But like, what do you, you kind of, when you have a client who comes to you and they're like, I, I want to leave my partner, but I, I don't make enough money. I feel too insecure to do it. Um, I don't want to let go of that security. Like, how do you help them feel more secure in themselves so that they can actually leave and then be happier ultimately? Yeah. So that's a great question because that does come up all of the time. And um, I think what it, security is really an illusion. So the, this idea of security really doesn't even exist. And that's not to like perpetuate worry. Um, you know, when some people hear that, it's like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? But it really is this idea that you're hanging your hat on something. You're really hanging you're, you're choosing to forego your own happiness, your own contentness, your own deservedness for this idea of security. And often security comes from like a financial standpoint, like you had said, right? Sometimes it's, it's different things, but more often that's what it is. So I often open up to a security. There's other ways to feel secure than just financially. So we want to be secure in love. We want to feel secure in um, achieving our goals and our dreams, feeling secure to show up as our, our whole self. Like those Oftentimes, people who are in relationships who one partner is the, the financial, bringing the financial security, they're actually lacking in a lot of those other areas of security, of communication, of compassion. Um, and so it's really like you're just choosing one area of security over the other. So I kind of open up the idea that security could mean more than one thing, really looking at what does that idea of security mean to them. Yeah. Um, and then what would it look like for them to go out on their own? Because this is a thing that I know that I did personally and that I see so often is that we start to know what we don't like, what we're unhappy with, but we don't actually even give ourselves permission to want something different. And so if we don't know what we're working toward, of course we're going to stay where we are, right? It's kind of that what we, what we know is better than what we don't know. Yeah. Um, and when I ask people, what would you want? You know, and what, what is an ideal partner for you? What, what would your life look like if you left? They already so often 
cut themselves off before even giving themselves a chance. Mm -hmm. And I did that too. Oh, it doesn't even matter because I couldn't afford to be on my own. So what's the point of thinking of that? And it's, um, it's doing ourselves a disservice. And so a lot of the work that I do is let's just imagine what would it look like and what small steps can you start to take now that would help you to take one step closer to that ideal that you have. Um, because often it's also this idea of security financially, um, even though finances are important and we do need that, um, then we feel indebted to our partner. And we oftentimes that can build resentment, right, within ourselves because it's like, well, I have to do this because they're paying for the house or they gave me some spending money, so I need to now do what they want. And it's like, it, it's a package deal. And that's very disempowering. Mm-hmm. And it can border, it can actually, it's a con- mechanism of control, which borders abuse also. Right. And I think that there's a lot of people when I tell them that, like get very taken aback and almost defensive um, because this idea of abuse we think is, is, has to be like really outright, um, either like physical abuse or something like that, where there's control is a form of, of, of abuse. Right. And that happens a lot with the finances. So I think that breaking free from that, people don't realize their potential because they're in a stifling situation. So this idea that they need that security might be true for their worldview at that time. But the work that I like to do with them is explore different aspects of their life. Because like for me, I had no idea how I was going to survive on my own. I really didn't financially. And I booked, I I applied for an apartment. My apartment didn't even accept animals. I have a dog and two cats. And I was like, well, I'll just apply to this place, kind of hoping I wouldn't get it because that would, again, prolong the process. And I ended up getting approved. And I was like, how did I do that? Like, I didn't fit any of the criteria, but I really trusted that as like a sign. Um, And I did it. And I had the best business month that I ever had. And the next month it was like, it just kept going because I started to step into myself. The way I felt empowered by leaving, I showed up differently and new doors opened for me. So I think that's a part of it also is that you might not be able to see how that's possible now, but when you trust yourself, when you step into your power, your whole world changes and opportunities become um, important. I don't know if that answered that question. I think I went on a tangent. (laughs) No, no, but that was, it was an awesome tangent and so many valid points. Um, I know when I left my partner and yeah, financially I couldn't quite, Vancouver is incredibly expensive to live Mm. in. I couldn't quite afford to live on my own. So I got a roommate for a while and actually Mm -hmm. that roommate became one of my incredibly good friends. So it was like, yeah, the thought of having to go share with someone was a bit like, oh, I feel like I'm too old for this, but it created an amazing valuable friendship and yes. um, so there was all these little things that happened in the friends that kind of stood up and, and helped me I'm incredibly grateful for and and then it, it made me you know apply for jobs that yeah larger salary bigger salary Absolutely. than you normally do or start to pursue things that I wanted to do for so long yes. and just hadn't because I you know just felt like oh no why you know I yeah right and I need to do this it was all these exactly. excuses mm-hmm. and another one thing um I also realized was that it wasn't fair for me to expect um someone else to provide security for yes. me um because I I had started to be single for so long that I was like I I need to be secure in myself mm-hmm. you know yes so, yes yeah, even in a, even in a healthy partnership, I mean, both yes. partners need to be secure, right, and feel secure because that's how we show up fully as ourselves. It's not no one's above or below anybody else, right? It's like I am a whole, full, secure individual. You're a whole, full, secure individual, and together, like we create magic, right? Rather than um, you know one being above or, or below um, another, which I think just happens 
so often. But I love that for you. That, that's amazing. And I see that all of the time. That yeah. right, we, This idea of security sometimes actually holds us back from stepping into our true power because it's yeah. like, well, I don't need to do that. And when we're forced with, I need to do something, like we show up in ways that we never knew were possible, which is yeah. really amazing. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. So yeah, it was definitely hard, but it was a learning curve. And I think yes. I learned more about myself and it sounds like you definitely, definitely. did too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, what about that word guilt? So many of us, when we want to break up with someone or we just come out of a breakup, it can take a long time to kind of shake off feelings of guilt and mm-hmm. of shame. So how do you kind of walk you know, your clients through letting go of those emotions or just kind of being able to cope with them? Yes. Yes. So that's a, that's a big piece of it is it's more coping and working through like, what does that really mean? Like, what does guilt and shame mean for me? What's the story that I'm attaching to that? Because oftentimes, and I know that I've done this and still do this, a lot of the guilt or the shame, like when that comes up is, um, I should have known better. Like I did know better before it even happened. Why did I do that? Why did I wait so long? Or, um, you know, I feel I take responsibility so it's about responsibility, right? Over responsibility often. Like I take responsibility for his feelings. He must be so upset now or, oh, now he must be happy. That upsets me, you know? So it's like whatever's happening or he's probably talking to his friends and his family about me and that makes me feel really bad and feel really guilty. Um, and these are things that I can't control, right? I can't control how he thinks, how he feels. So it's really bringing back like when my mind goes there um, and what I encourage my clients to do is like taking it back to the present moment of, what is this teaching me right now? Is there something I can do with it right now? And if so, great, let me try to take a step. Like if I need to offer forgiveness to someone who I really think I offended, or if I need to offer forgiveness to myself in that moment, doing that, but also it doesn't serve us to like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So now that I've done it, it's like, of course I knew at that moment, but we can't hold ourselves in contempt for not doing something sooner than we had the information to do, right? We were, we're always doing the best we can in every moment. And so I think that's a big piece of it is that, but a big goal that I have for myself and even with my clients is to not, to let all emotions be there. So all emotions are created equally. So it's not about getting rid of guilt. I mean, shame is, is very, um, shame is damaging because it's about like me as a person. So sometimes I will shift that also. If, if I'm talking about it personally or with someone else, it's like, you know, I'm just a mess up. I'm unlovable. It's like, is that we really, I really dissect that belief. Like what, what's really happening here? Because often it's, I, I'm afraid I'm going to be alone forever. Right. Or I'm really upset with myself that I made that mistake. So really starting trying to separate like this decision, right. I was, uh, this, this relationship didn't work out for me. Does that really mean that I'm an unlovable person? No, it means that I'm, I made a poor decision maybe in that relationship. And then I trusted myself to get out of it. So really start trying to separate these, these all encompassing ideas of just like, I'm worthless. I'm not enough. I'm a mess up. Like, because your brain and your body is receiving all that information. And then we continue those patterns. Right. And then it's like, well, no one, no wonder that happened. Or we stay in um, maladaptive or poor relationships for longer than we would otherwise, sometimes for years and years, because we continuously tell ourselves, this is all that I deserve, or I could never get someone who, whatever. And if we're telling ourselves that, that's what's going to happen. So I think it's just making space for the guilt and the shame, but working through it a little. Okay, I'm feeling this. What is this really trying to tell me? What story am I attaching to it? And then trying to find something positive um, outside of that. So I really make space for both. It's not about eliminating those, but 
changing our focus to, okay, that can be there. Like that's one of your truths. What else could be there? So like when I go down that road, I try to tune into, that was such a courageous move for me to do. That's really the first time that I did something that I knew was going to make someone else upset. They probably weren't going to like, that was maybe going to make me look bad. And I did it anyway, because I trusted that I deserved that. And that's huge. That was a really big turning point for me. I focus on like that freedom that I felt after. I focus now on um, just when I am home alone, like this feels so wonderful compared to like, oh no, he's going to be home in 10 minutes. Oh, and like that stinking feeling. So I focus on the positive things that came out of it as well. Not to minimize the other emotions that I'm feeling, but just recognizing both are there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Um, I, I definitely think, uh, when you kind of move through something like that and you get to a stage where you can turn that guilt um, or those feelings of guilt and the feelings of shame into something more positive and start to see the, the positive steps that you took and the strength that you actually had yes. out of that, um, it kind of helps then shape, you know, if you go into another relationship, kind of helps you be able to make clearer decisions in that relationship and know you know, if you're dating someone, you kind of know a lot sooner if this is right or yes. wrong. And if it's not right, you yes. just it yes. like, right. as early as possible, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's where it can serve a purpose for you of like making space for all of those, not to judge yourself for it, but really as information gained is what I like to call it is it's really just gathering information. So it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a waste of time because that's something that I hear a lot too. And that's something that keeps people. And this is actually one of, when you were talking about excuses, something else that I would say of, I'm so old now, like I've wasted so much time. I'm never going to find someone else. By the time I find someone else, I have to date for a couple of years. And then this, I'll be 50 by the time I have kids. I can't do that. So like I kind of went down that road. And I think that people do that also. Um, they sort of glorify the good to justify the bad. So like we, we lens in on like, oh, well, at least they this. And it's like we forget everything else that's there, that's, that's happening with that. And so I think just making space for the fact that okay, I realized that I did that. I realized it's a pattern of mine. That's awesome because now we can start to see that um, more quickly in, in other relationships when they pop up and, and make space for, what do I want to do with this information now, right? Now that I'm seeing it more clearly, what do I, do I want to make the same decision or do I want to do something different? Yeah, which totally leads me into the next question. You know, people who, including myself, have gotten into relationships that didn't work or someone who's gotten into like a really toxic relationship. I've seen in my past that I tend to repeat patterns mm -hmm. and I know others who <laughs> do that mm -hmm. too. So mm -hmm. for someone who kind of has started to notice that there's patterns, but aren't quite sure how to turn that around and like be more compassionate towards themselves and not get themselves into that situation. Like how do you kind of guide them through attracting something a bit more positive and fulfilling, whether it's a relationship or a career or sure. going and doing something that, you know, will they'll have fun doing. Yes. Yes. So I'm a little bit of all of that. I think yeah. so it's, we all do this, right? And we all repeat patterns until we learn them until we learn a different way to do them. And even then we still repeat them, right? But our goal is that we <laughs> shift out of them more quickly. So this is about awareness. So that's why I say it's information gathering that the more aware that we can be, like you said, hopefully we catch it sooner. We're not always going to, but even in really healthy connected relationships, we're going to be triggered. So our stuff is going to pop up. We're not going to find a partner that you know, none of our stuff is going to get triggered, but the toxic piece of it, it's like in a healthy relationship, 
we heal those. Like we, we're able to show up with our triggers and our partner meets us in a space that we're able to heal. And in order to get to that place, it's like we need to believe that we're deserving of it. So this is where the belief work comes in so strongly. And it goes back to something that I had shared earlier that so often we know what we don't really want, but we do not have an alternative or we don't believe the alternative that we could get something different. And so it's like, I know I don't want this, but what else can I have? What are my other options? Or having someone is better than no one, which I've thought many times. And now I realize like that is absolutely not the case. Like having no one is much better than having an unhealthy, toxic relationship (laughs) a million times. Um, But I do get like, as we're, we're social creatures and there is a lot of, you know, we connect in that way and just a lot of pressure, especially 20s, 30s, years old, you know, for 30 year olds that you're supposed to have found your one by now. And it's and there's just babies. so much of that. Exactly. Right. And so that puts added pressure on people. Of what's wrong with me? If this person wants me, I know. And this, I, I'm speaking obviously from a female standpoint, just because that's my experience, but this yeah. can go both ways also. Yeah. Um, but it's like, what's wrong with me? Well, this person wants me, I might as well. Like they're, they're good enough. And we settle like good enough is not enough. It's not enough, but we do not know what is and isn't good enough until we really give ourselves permission to want what we want. And that's what led to me to leave my relationship was I gave myself permission to want a really deeply fulfilling relationship. One where I could show up as myself without having to tiptoe around one where I wasn't mocked for, you know, trying new things or embracing this new, new part of my life. And, um, that's that. So that's the deep work that I do with people is sure you might go out and, and repeat a pattern, but it's not so much about focusing on not repeating that pattern. It's more so of what are your goals, dreams, and values? Let's get clear on that both in life, personally, and in a relationship. What is your ideal partner right now? It could change tomorrow. It could change in a year, but right now, and how much of you, and then we go through how much of you believes that you can have all of these. And it's amazing how many, Oh, that doesn't exist. There's no way I could get all of this. There's no way I would get that. So of course, if you're sitting there with a blueprint of your ideal partner, relationship, job, friendship, any of those things. And then you're telling yourself, oh, I'm never going to get that. Even if that does show up, you're not in a place to receive. So that's really the work to do. Like, let's get you to a place of being able to receive it. And then at least you have a chance. Your stuff will still get triggered and we can work through that. But if you're closing that door on it and you're saying, I would never deserve any of these people, well, then your pool is only what you've known before. And then we think, Oh, look at it. I knew it. This is all that I deserve. Like my brain's confirming that for me, but really it's just that that's all that you're allowing space for. Does that make mm, sense? Totally. So much. And you yeah. just kind of made so many different points come up in my head. I actually just released an episode on imposter syndrome Yeah. Um, where I talked with Erica Corday, who's a coach, and she talked about values too and how important mm-hmm. values are. And um, I had explained not that long ago, a few years ago, I actually went to an event where it was um, like a leadership event, but one of the, the, the sections of it was about finding your values. And no one had ever told me to do this Mm. before like this was like what okay I don't know what my values are but we went through a process of kind of writing them down and obviously you know they change through the years but I've always tried to keep up with just staying in touch with what they are like is that still my value how do I feel about it is there something else that's coming up and that's so important it is absolutely I love that you were introduced to that because And I know that I wasn't really until just a couple of years ago either. And it was more of just 
does this person like me? It wasn't even, I didn't question like, do I like them? Are they really valuing, you know, do they align with what I want in life? It's like, no, they like me. Okay. Okay. Sure. That's good enough. Like that's enough criteria. And that is crappy criteria to go on, right? Like, do they like, and, and yet that's what I was doing so often because it was, I was operating on this belief of no one would really like me or if someone got to know me, they, they wouldn't like me. I don't deserve that. And so it's like, okay, they'll do, I'll, I'll take it, you know? And then I started to realize that is not enough. Like that, that's not okay. Um, I want more. I deserve more. We all do. And it started to recognize my values. And that's a question that I like to ask myself. And I do encourage clients also when making a decision is, is this bringing me closer to my dreams, goals, and values? Like a saying yes or no to this, bringing me closer or further away. Mm -hmm. So that's what I kind of got to in the relationship where it's staying in this, like bringing me closer to my goals and dreams and values. And like the answer was very clearly no, like everything in me was screaming. And that's what really, I knew at that point, it's, it's up to me. Like there's nothing he can do. There's no, you know, no more waiting for him to change or shift. Like this wasn't about him. It was more of I'm in control of my happiness. I'm in control of my life. I started thinking like maybe in my next life I'll do this. And that's when I really knew like, okay, if I'm already planning for my next life, like I need to take action now. <laughs> like I, I was yeah. planning, like I wrote off my entire life from this one decision and it was like, no, when I need to take action now. And I see that from a lot of people like, oh, it'd be easier if he or she just kind of died. Obviously not wanting them to die, but just saying like, yeah. or, you know, sometimes I wish that and I've actually even thought this, that they would just cheat on me and then I'd have a reason to leave. And like when you're at that place of like hoping something so drastic would happen to give you a reason, you already have your reason. Like yeah. you wanting it is enough. Yeah. I have felt that way about jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, like yes. I wish I would just like get fired or something yes. would happen mm -hmm. where the office goes on fire one night. Nobody's yeah. smart, but then it just doesn't. Sure. The place anymore, is gone. <laughs> right. You know, like weird scenarios. Like I just, I, or I get really sick and I don't have like wishing myself to get yes. sick, to yes. get out of a situation. And it's like, yeah. okay, you know what? Maybe you should have your notice in. Yeah. And, Good. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's not really funny, but it is, but it's very common, right? Like some people like, oh, I had one client who they, they had a physical job. They didn't really like it, but they ended up breaking their leg and they were, I've never seen someone so thrilled to break a leg because they were like, I, I don't have to go to work for the, and it was like, okay, that is very telling. Like if you're willing to endure that sort of pain and recovery, not have to go to work for a couple yeah. of weeks, like it's time to take action. And that's, what's so beautiful about this work is that it's not, it's relationship focused, but it's, yeah. it's for, it's for any aspect of life. And yeah. really that's what it comes down to is ourselves because self-work is relationship work and relationship work is self-work because like we're only in control of ourselves. Yeah. I, I love that. It's so true. And I'm actually curious because you talked a little bit about, you know, you being with someone because they liked you and mm -hmm. so you should be with them because, and that was definitely something, especially when I was at high school, um, it was like the guy could have been an absolute asshole to be quite mm -hmm. frank but if he like mm -hmm. me I'd be like oh someone likes me so I should yes. date him and I yes. tend to find that does happen to very very young you know yes. girls so mm -hmm. I'm curious on your thoughts as to where you know where in the system has that stemmed from yes yeah, it's like what childhood. needs to change. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. It's way back in childhood. So both like their parental figures, but mm -hmm. um also just 
society in a way. I, I think that in part it is that that made up timeline of when you should have things accomplished by, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, all right, yeah, you graduate high school, you go to college, then you find your one in college, you're married, you have children. And if and while you still have like a million dollars in the bank by 32 years old, like on all of this stuff, and even though it seems ludicrous because there is no timeline in love, someone who found love at 20 is no further ahead than someone who finds love at 40 or at 60. Like love is love, um, yeah. you know, whenever you find it but that's not what we're told. So I think that's part of it is that we're up against this timeline, but it really goes deeply what I find in limiting beliefs that are set from we are from when we are very young. So this could go into um, sibling, like let's say that you came from a family that has a lot of siblings and you just felt like there wasn't enough attention to go around. Maybe you didn't get enough attention. It was like now anyone who gives you attention okay, great. That, that feels good because I've been starved for it for so long. Or, um, if abandonment was a theme in your life, oh, that must be what love is because we have to remember that when we're young, we need to believe our parents or caretakers love us because that's all that we know. And we would die on our own. So we assume however they're treating us is love and is nourishing. So we learn that that's how it is moving forward. And unfortunately, our parents weren't taught very well many times. Their parents weren't taught very well. So this is a new dynamic we're, we're stepping into, but we're pulling these, I'm not enough, or I need to do something to be well enough. Like I need to achieve a certain grade to, be, to get praise. I need to win first place to be good enough. So we're told these things like we have to prove ourselves to be enough. And that's extremely damaging because it's like, no, we, we are enough. You are enough. Like you're deserving enough exactly as you are. It doesn't mean there's not things to work on. We all have things that we can mm-hmm. improve upon, but your worth as a human being doesn't change. And I think particularly for like what you were describing, it's this idea that I'm just not enough the way that I am. So I don't deserve to have exactly what I want. So if someone's willing to give me attention, if someone likes me, let me take it now, right? And But often what I find, it's, there's different flavors of it, but it tends to go back into something they learned very early on in childhood. Yeah. And fear in comparison, especially girls in like high school age and stuff. I mean, your friends are getting boyfriends or girlfriends. And it's, it, you, it, you're feeling left out, right? And then it goes, what's wrong with me? Why aren't, why aren't I enough? Maybe it's the way that I look, or maybe it's be, like, and all of this stuff brings up lack, not enough, not good enough. And then we start to settle when we feel like we're not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, so true. I'm loving right now um, the TV show Sex Education that's on Netflix. Yes. And just how that's really working to kind of change that dynamic. I've heard great things about it. I have not seen it yet, but I've heard really, um, really great reviews on it. So it's on my my long list of things I want to watch. (laughs) I know. It's like you would never have a life if you had to watch everything that people recommend. But um, yeah, I just think they're doing a really great job of addressing you know that kind of I'm not good enough feeling at high school Mm -hmm. but then also that curiosity around sex it's not taught at high school and not often taught by parents either because they don't necessarily know how to have right so kids getting themselves into situations yeah that aren't great um just because they don't know any better yeah even with the teachers you know 
the headmaster is very, very stiff and his, his wife is kind of trying to spice things up mm. and seeing their relationship fall apart because she's realized like he's never going to change and I can't yeah. change him. So I need to step yeah. away. So seeing it not only in kids' lives, but the adults that are around yeah. them. Yeah. It's just wonderful. And that makes sense. Like that's where the example comes from, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there's so much avoidance that happens on so many topics. But it's the same, like sex is a huge one, right? It's just avoidance. But these topics are out there, like this exists, right? So avoidance doesn't make it go away. It just makes people have to figure it out on their own or come to their own conclusions. And so I think that same thing happens for just relationships in general, for like self-worth, for self-advocacy. If our parents or our caretakers or, you know, the people older than us, you know, our mentors aren't talking to us about this stuff of what it was like and how hard it is. And, you know, when we're just hearing fantasizing stories of like, oh, you'll just know when you know, that puts so much pressure on yeah. people. It's like, oh, well, I, I, I mean, I felt like I've known like seven times now. I just, <laughs> they looked at me that way. That must be the one, you know? And it's like, I have this idea, like maybe if I bump into them in the street and the papers go flying, like they're the one. And, and I, so I really did believe that for a while. And sometimes I still do because that's, no one really told me otherwise, right? Yeah. It was really trial and error. So I, I love that you, you bring that up because it is really important that, we only learn from others and if people aren't talking about it and we don't have examples we fall into it ourselves we fumble along and we come to our own conclusions yeah yeah it's so true it's so true now what resources would you recommend to you know someone who's maybe in a relationship that they're very unhappy with and Mm -hmm. they're they want to leave but of course everything we've talked about shame guilt fear security is going through their head Mm -hmm. what would you recommend that they read they watch they listen to yeah so i think the the main thing that i would really recommend um is for them to get support for them like one-on-one or group support in terms of, um, like I said, the self-work is the relationship work. You have to believe that you're deserving of leaving, that you're deserving of, or getting clear. It doesn't even have to be leaving, but to actually shift the relationship, you have to show we can only control ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Of either we need to communicate what we need um, more appropriately, or we need to react to how our partner is, what our partner is bringing differently. And that's the individual work. So um, however, you know, it it could be a counselor, it can be a coach, it could be a group class around others who are going through something. Um, I think that that's really, really important. And that I know some people are like, well, I don't have the money for that, or I don't have the time for that. And it's like, this is an investment um, in so many other areas than just like, oh, you know, the the relationship, like we said, it it translates into career. I can't tell Mm -hmm. you how many um, clients that I work with who were focusing on relationship and, and they get a raise or they get a new job or they find because this trickles into all different areas of our lives. So really trusting that you deserve it, taking that step for yourself, I find is the, that sets the whole new path. Like you're saying, I am worth this. I'm taking time, money, energy out of my life to focus on myself and things start to shift. So that's the biggest piece. I think, um, a book that I really love that I, um, that I take a lot of my work from is it's called the new rules of marriage. It's the new rules of marriage by Dr. Terry real. I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, but it's okay. It's a really, you don't have to be married to, to use the book and to benefit from the book, but it gives just really great ways of like winning strategies that work really well. And some strategies that are maladapted that don't work as well that like, I was like, Oh, I do that. And I do that. And it's just, it's really eye opening. Um, and you could do it. You don't have to read it with a partner. You could, if you were like, 
committed to working on the relationship, mm -hmm. but it's individual work as well. So that's a book I really love. Um, also, I'm drawing a blank on her name for some reason right now. I think it's Melanie, um, Melanie Tonya Evans, I believe. Okay. She's a resource that I really like specifically around, um, she has a podcast, I believe, but around okay. like narcissistic um, relationships. So if you're in a relationship with a partner who does gaslight, who has like, you know, you're feeling gaslight, um, mm -hmm. gaslighting or at all, um, or you're afraid to leave, like there's fear. And I hear this quite often. And I actually went through this myself of like, I'm afraid to, how they would act if I left, right? I'm afraid how they would be if I told them I want to leave. And that alone is a huge red flag, if nothing else. Of yeah. Why are you staying in a relationship with someone just because you're afraid of how they would be if you left? They're that same person in the relationship with you. So yeah. she's a great resource for okay. emotional abuse and that sort of stuff. I really um, like that and for, for her. And then, um, yeah, like I said, it, it, it is coming like for a divorce or something like that. Lawyers are, I mean, I know that that's kind of self-explanatory, but I did not consult a lawyer before I left. And that actually really, um, that was a mistake on my part. I sort of mm -hmm. felt like we could do this in, in good faith. And um, me leaving without consulting a lawyer had a lot of negative effects on the outcome mm -hmm. of, of what had happened. So I would just, especially if there's children involved, yeah. um, you know, just know your rights and be informed, know that you deserve, whether it's your choice to leave or not, like it's still, you deserve fairness and whatever that looks like. So yeah. um, those would be kind of my go-tos. And then a really supportive group. Like I offer a group class, which is really, I find helpful for people because it's others who know what they're going through. And mm -hmm. so one-on-one -on -one work is awesome, but I found that the group class that I offer, like the healing is, um, just a little bit different. Like there's connections that are there. So it's, I know that you asked kind of what resources are helpful, but something I would suggest against um, is um, sharing too much with like fa close family and friends. So we want mm -hmm. them, we, I mean, you want support. So it's great to like go out and have a girl's night or go out and like chat with your best friend and, and then have fun, explore those areas. But to get into too many details about the relationship, I think gets too confusing, especially if you tend to be a people pleaser because everyone's going to have their own ideas about what you should and yeah. shouldn't do. And then we start to dilute our own truth, right? Yeah. Like for me, that was the biggest piece because when I started to tell a couple of people I'm going to leave, oh, are you sure? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? And it started to insert doubt more in more of that shame like we had talked about rather than just me being like, no, I'm clearly needing to leave. So support's really important, but where mm -hmm. you get it from can make a big difference because also knowing that people who are in, who aren't ready to change, don't really want to see you change. Not in like a malicious kind of way, but yeah. it's very common to say, oh, my husband does that too, or my wife does that all the time. And we normalize behavior that's actually very unhealthy. And yeah. so it's like, oh, well, if he or she does that, that I shouldn't be upset with that. And so that's just something to watch out for is like making sure that the support you're getting actually is in alignment with, with what you're needing. Yeah. That's a really great point. Actually. I wouldn't have thought that cause I'm probably mm -hmm. someone that would have opened up to, you know, family and friends. Mm -hmm. And, but when I took the step to leave, it was actually the, like you, there was a moment that just broke the cat, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I just, did it like yes. I just did it and you know my my parents didn't even know mm -hmm. this yes. was something and it's okay to get planning. support after or be clear on the mm -hmm. support you need right so if you went to them yeah. I'd be like look at I'm not really looking for your advice here, but I really could just use a hug or I could use a great yeah. night out and something so it's I mean we don't want you to isolate by any means but it's yeah. like looking for that like it's almost asking permission from everybody yes. else where you already know the answer and it's like yeah. you don't need permission from anyone else except for yourself 
Yeah, that's so true. Courtney, this has been awesome. Thank you so much yeah, for thank sharing, you. sharing your experience, which was very personal. So I really appreciate that. And um, just sharing your wisdom as well. I'm sure there's a lot of people who'll get so much from this. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. You can find out more about Courtney over on her website, naturalhealthsolutionsrichmond.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at doctor, that's D-R, underscore Courtney, underscore Puri. And at Facebook at Dr. Courtney Puri. And I will, of course, share those in the show notes. If you enjoyed our conversation or you have any comments that you'd like to share, then you can head over to this episode page on our website, uncomfortable.blog, and post them in the comments. You can also follow us on social media. We are at uncomfortable.blog on Facebook and Instagram and uncomfy underscore podcast on Twitter. If you like what you heard, then head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a glowing review. And don't forget to hit all five of those stars. You can also support us on a monthly basis by becoming a patron and pledging as little as $2 to $5 per month. Your monthly pledges will help keep this little podcast on its pod feet by covering costs such as website and podcast hosting, editing software and equipment upgrades. Thanks again for listening. Now go out there and get uncomfortable.